Welcome to the Compassionate Capitalist Radio Show with host Karen Rands. A compassionate capitalist is someone who invests their money into entrepreneur endeavors to bring innovation to the market and create wealth for all those involved. Karen shares insights and best practices for entrepreneurs to succeed and investors to share in that success without all the risks. And now. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for returning to listen to the Compassionate Capitalist podcast, or if this is your first time, welcome. Uh, my name is Karen Rands, of course. I'm the host, and our goal here is to bring on experts with specific insights into best practices for entrepreneurs for creating those successful companies that can create wealth for them and the investors, also for investors and best practices for investors, whether they're new to the game or have been around for a while and just want to pick up golden nuggets of what is happening in other parts of the country or different perspectives from different leaders of angel groups. And my guest today uh, is no exception to that. He has well, he'll tell us exactly here coming up here in just a couple of minutes when I bring him on, but probably at least as long as I have in working with angel investors, we go back uh, 15 years or something like that when I was running my network of business angels and investors, and he had a sort of, uh, I guess, the precursor to the forums that he runs now where they were doing some uh, working with entrepreneurs and bringing together investors and giving them an opportunity to connect in a pitch format and um, have, I've admired Barry, my guest, Barry Etra for many years and watching what he's done. And I know directly myself, how challenging it is to create angel investor networks and gain that enthusiasm. And back when I was doing it, there really weren't that many in uh, the Atlanta market. And so as we have committed to uh, growing our entrepreneur community with many different programs and many different players across the board in Atlanta. We also now have many different places that angels can participate. And sometimes they participate in multiple groups for deal flow purposes and all of that. And the the thing that had um, impacted me back in the recession and what I didn't realize the shift because different every angel investor group has its own kind of personality and in the way that they do things. And in our particular case for the network of business angels and investors, we had a lot of people that own their own businesses. And so when the recession hit, they had to really mind their own shops and make sure they were either executives and companies that they had to be in charge of their own company success, or they were founders of companies themselves and were, were taking their, um, profits or their their success and putting it back to work in other entrepreneurs. So it did. It was hard for it to sustain because they had the desire and the money to invest, but didn't really have the time to do the due diligence and the focus to do the due diligence. And it and it hurt the organization and our progress with um, in making investments. We had made a lot of investments up until that point, and so it was best in my case. I pivoted to go work on a different type of a format, working with angels and working with entrepreneurs. And during that period of time, I think Barry pretty much really launched his, he used that opportunity to launch some of these organizations, the ones that he's working with, and then take on whole new opportunities. And so let me, let me, uh, he runs two of, if you notice the show notes, 
So Barry Etra, he runs two forums in Atlanta that are matching up early stage companies, and we'll define that in, in a minute, and investors. The first is the Raise Forum, which is a lot of people think of it as being an, an Emory University-oriented forum, but I think it's because they're of some of the memberships and some of the sponsorships, but he'll explain that. And uh, that's really for Southeast companies with Southeast investors. And then he also, I had uh, the Koretsu Forum, which is a unique sort of international network of uh, 50 plus chapters. I first was introduced to the Koretsu Forum out in LA. They have, I think at that time they had four chapters in LA. And this is probably at least a decade or 12, 12 years ago, I was out there attending some of those forums. And um, and was really um, impressed with the vision, and they went through the recession and uh, expanded uh, first uh, across the to the other other coastline into New York, and then down the coastline into what we have now with with the Atlanta and the Southeast. But Barry, you know, brings a unique perspective. One of the things we talk about a lot of times and on this forum is uh, the goal, understanding your marketplace and understanding how you're going to bring a product to market, who's your real competition. Uh, I'm working on my second book right now called Scale, and I'm in the chapter right now talking about the importance of strategic planning and understanding your competition and going to market. And that's and sometimes when entrepreneurs don't understand that is when they don't get their next round of financing. They may have been able to convince the angels, but it's they miss they miss read their marketplace or their competition. And he's got 40 years of working in executive management and sales and marketing and operations and um, even as a COO. And so I think it's just really terrific that he brings that insight because it's so important to everything about the success of a company when he's running these angel forums and helping to screen and validate and throw his insight on behalf of his angel investors about whether what a company has potential to do. So uh, with that, I want to say, hey, welcome to the show, Barry. Thank you for joining me today. Thank you for having me on. You're very welcome. So let's talk about that. How did you tell us, tell us about how you got into angel investing out of your corporate experience? Let's start there. So after many years as a manufacturing guy, and that's actually what got me down here, which in retrospect was an offer I could have refused, but we like it down here a lot. So, and I got involved in this world out of the alternative investing world. Somebody suggested, why not work with early stage companies and matching them up with investors? And I started to do that. And after a few months, I said, this is chaos. Nobody knows who anybody else is. The companies don't know the investors. The investors don't know the companies. And there's no structured forum where we can control both sides so both sides get what they want. So I thought my consultant hat kicked in. I said, I know how to fix this, (laughs) as do many people. Uh, I came up with a way to make it work for everybody. A couple of people helped, but it was just a good idea at that point. And then now about six and a half or seven years ago, I went to Emory. Uh, The gentleman who teaches entrepreneurship at Emory is not an academic. Charlie Getz started and sold nine companies before he ever taught a class. There you go. And I went to Charlie and I said, look, you're going to get this. That million to $5 million raise is where most companies go to die. 
In fact, that's what most people call it. They call it the valley of death. And I thought, I said, I know this is, we can help fix this here in the Southeast doing it this way. And he got it immediately. It took us probably another nine months to convince Emory that this would be a good thing for them to get behind. But they did. We ran our first forum in 2015, and we've been running it every six months ever since. Um, they designed a course around it at the business school. So in the fall, the students actually do the preliminary weeding out of companies. And wow. I don't think we do anything. Yeah, I don't think we do anything particularly insightful except that we kind of were able to listen to both sides of the equation and figure out what they both wanted and needed and incorporate that in. So, Very good. Uh, so goal, that's the uh, – I'm sorry, go ahead. Yeah. That's the raise form. And the goal was, very simple, if we can fund more Southeast companies at higher levels using Southeast, company, Southeast money only, everybody wins. The whole ecosystem grows. Right. And got my fingers crossed, so far we are 21 for 21. We have, wow. uh, we have created 21 investments. Every company is still here. Every company is still working. That I don't know is how a much really, really testament. <laughs> yeah, I don't, know. I don't know how much longer we'll be able to do that, but right now. Yeah. Well, it'll get into uh, one of the things that we're going to be talking about, as you know, is uh, – sort of this survey has been done recently of angel groups and what are they doing to change their mm-hmm. behavior and pattern with in the, in the event of a pandemic. So I'm interested to hear about that when we come in, when we get move into that part of the, of the segment. And I want to tell folks right now, they want to go learn more about RaiseForum. I usually say the websites near the end, but it's really just simply raiseforum.com, R-A-I-S-E forum.com. And uh, go learn about that, learn about their timeline of when their next event is coming up, when you can apply. And so those aren't companies that are coming out of the university as entrepreneurs because your companies in the raised form have to have some traction. Is that right? Right. And to be, to, to, we don't require much, but you must be from the Southeast and you must have some revenue. And you must be looking for at least a half a million dollars from somewhere. Uh, so not very many requirements, but we are generally above the seed level. We're really kind of high seed, low series A. Yeah, so it's a good and, group to finish a round out with. Yeah. It's in, uh, we were, again, being politically correct. We were trying to stay out of the way of other groups in town and try right. to position ourselves sort of in the middle. Yeah. So then you – you know, how did you first hear about the Koretsu Forum? What was it that you liked about them? And because, you know, it's it taking on a whole other group to, I mean, it's probably Race Forum doesn't have membership, so it's a little bit of a different model, but still organizing events and doing these things, screening companies. Do you, they overlap? Talk about your journey to, to take on the Koretsu yeah. Forum and bring that to Atlanta well, market. They do. they do have very different models. So when I started Race, I went to a lot of places to see if I could glean anything from other groups that did what we did. And I found, surprisingly, almost nobody did it the way we did it. But I went to the Koretsu Forum site back then because I heard they were the best in the world at this. And I couldn't get much from the website. I did send an email. I never got a response. 
But <laughs> lo and behold, they came into Atlanta about two and a half years ago. And after one full start, uh, they got Morris Manning and Martin to be their host sponsor. And they asked the venture partners there who should run it here. And they said me. So that's how that happened. Uh, I can tell you that Koretsu is going to be, in the long run, a much better entity for the Southeast. Koretsu is by far the largest and by far the most active angel group in the world. They do more investment a year than all but the top few percentage of venture groups. And they are actually changing the model. In the old days, and Karen, you know this, uh, it used to be angel was 250000 to a million dollars, and then a million dollars to you know five was venture, and then five and above was PE. Well, Koretsu is able to routinely do eight-figure investments. They're the only group in the angel group in the world that can do that. And part of it is because of the model. Started 20 years ago by a guy named Randy Williams in Silicon Valley. And it was his, he, had, he actually co-opted the term Koretsu from Japan, which is a group of companies that band together for strategic advantage. He co-opted that in order to represent how you create an angel group that's more than the sum of its parts. And just two quick numbers. Um, the l- last year, the in- investment group that did the second most investment was a company called New World Angels. They did 130 last year, which is a lot. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize uh, New so World was that active. Yeah. Well, they are. Uh, their, their investment size is much smaller. It's about $100,000. Yeah, but that's Correct. a lot of money they put to work given that, right? Right. right. Yeah, Koretsu did almost 200 at an initial investment of probably four times the size. So in, ter- in numbers of dollars, the second largest angel group in the world in, in numbers of dollars is um, Tech Coast Angels out of Southern California. Uh, they did about $20 million last year. Koretsu did $83 million. And um, even those numbers, I think, are under- underreported because the Koretsu system is very investor-centric and you don't have to report everything that, that you do. But they can make a, by the end of this year, they will be the number one angel investment group in the Southeast. And almost nobody knows that yet, but it's true. Uh, they have been, they tripled the number of investments over the last year and a half in the Southeast. And I think that's going to move up another power probably of two this year. Uh, and again, it's all about getting people to understand what they can do. Um, yeah. So now the the process or the sort of like the system, if you will, is different for for Rays as it is for Koretsu, because Koretsu is a membership organization. People, there's a commitment by those investors that participate to actively be engaged and seek out and be proactive in deciding to make those investments. Is that right? Yeah, because you're you're only joining Koretsu really if you want to make investments um, at any point because it costs to be a member. But the good thing is that's probably the only cost. And the education and the deal flow that you see is worth uh, more every penny. Very different model, though. You are you hit it right on the nose. It's all about right, Koretsu is more Series A and Series B money. So it's either 
investments that are pre-revenue that are about to go very big very quickly, or it's companies that are further along in the process. Um, and I think we do a good job at Raise. Peretzu does a better job. They get better companies and better CEOs across the board. I've been very impressed with that part. For, for us, yeah, and it's very I, good because yeah, – go ahead. Well, I was going to say the thing that I – besides the, the syndication that happens, the benefit to companies that may be in the southeast, but they get an opportunity to get exposure to all of those investors that are um, all over – the, uh, the the world, in effect, but definitely in the United States. How many do you have an estimate of how many members are in all the chapters in the United States? Yeah, they, there are 3,000 investors in the world, 2,000 of them are in the United States, but it's still the old 80-20 rule. 80% yeah. of the investment is here. Right, sure. And then, but yeah. there, the due diligence that that they do, I've seen the due diligence packet. It it is very thorough. And so yeah, when investors, yeah. when they know that a company has passed through due diligence, the investors have a comfort level that this, you know, there's never a guarantee, but that there's, this company says what it says and does what it does and it walks the walk and it talks the talk and it's, it's as accurate as can be known at that time. Yeah. Correct. Is that a fair assessment? Well, yeah. Coretzu is as well known as it is for its due diligence, and it's been now, I think, widely copied. In fact, they're pretty transparent. You can go to CoretzuForum.com and see all the steps in the due diligence right there on the website. Uh, but that really makes a difference. If you have to pick if, to say to somebody, why are we better than anybody else? You can talk as much as you want about returns, but those are very hard to measure. Uh, as you know, Karen, unless you have an exit or another round, there's no really good way to value uh, a change in a company. Koretsu, because investment in the company, does not necessarily make the company better, just gives them more money. Uh, Koretsu's due diligence, I think, stands that is, is as expensive as there exists, and more so than I think even some venture funds do. Yeah, so do, 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 does Cretu because a big challenge that all angel groups have is what's the next level of, of finance or funding? Very rarely do companies that are the kind of companies that get, get angel investing out of angel investor groups, is that all enough? You know, most of them need another round to continue to fuel their rocket growth. And so do, do you, do you, have you seen where venture capital folks are sort of, you know, at that next door for looking at the companies that you guys are funding? Sometimes they are, but I think the statistic I've heard is that only 2% of angel-funded companies go on to get venture money. Is it only so, 2%? Only 2%, which is, even if it's that slightly low, it means that you're either going angel or you're going venture. And from an entrepreneurial side, it's always better to get investment from angels because it's less combative, it's more cooperative, they're less likely to try to take your company away, they're less likely to renege on a promise, and your terms are better. And I think that's pretty much universally recognized. 
Yeah. Um, okay, so what what our part of our goal here is, uh, as I had kind of mentioned about my history with NBA and I, and here we are. We don't know what's going to happen, and I, in theory, this is not going to be as deep and as long as what we saw with the real estate bubble that caused the recession in two thousand and nine. You know, so so the recovery may not be as 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 uh, painful on it, and the the fear, the uncertainty may not be. There's still a lot of optimism in the marketplace, I think. Um, I know that part of the reason why I, I renamed this podcast from the Southeast Private Equity or Spec Radio, because I used to run the big events, this big venture event, um, to Compassionate Capitalist Podcast was the idea that this – I had to convince – those people that were investors out there that had the money to invest, to put it to work in our small businesses, to create jobs, continue bringing innovation out because that's how our economy grows. And just like you said, was your goal out of starting raise and bringing this consortium of people together. Cause you have a, a, a great uh, board on that is that there's uh, that, that it, it directly has an impact. It's what I speak on when I travel around for chambers and for different economic conferences, I talk about that whole thing of building an ecosystem of investors and entrepreneurs so you can grow your economy. And now with the changes in general solicitation, there's really a way all different kinds of companies can play. They don't necessarily have to be a tech company or this or that. There's, there's all different ways for companies to get access to private capital now. So, you know, it's, it should be a good thing. It's just a matter of education. And so I was curious right. when you and I got to talk in and you told me about this survey that was conducted of different angel groups around the Southeast and getting their uh, perspectives on what they felt from their groups of investors and how they, their, their pulse on the, their finger on the pulse of where they were thinking, what was their concerns, what were their intentions as organizations. And, um, and I thought it was, the outcome was fascinating. So what I'd like to do is go through that with you and share that with our audience. Some of those, we, there's a lot of, there's a few questions in there, but we'll hit the high spots and then you can uh, apply your own direct experience that you have right now working with two investor groups and actually having a, a forum, a virtual forum about to happen. So how, let's do that. Do you want to jump in on that? Sure. Okay, so, so there were 17 groups that participated. Now, who? So, is this Southeast Angel Group Fund? Is it an, a consortium of all these these groups that that put this on, or was this sort of was there? Uh, is there? A, I'm not familiar with a, a group of that's officially organized of Southeast Angels. So the the um, Angel Capital Association, which is national, uh, oh, organizes okay. angel group meetings monthly by area. So the Southeast Angel Group is essentially just angel groups in the Southeast, exactly the way it sounds. And there were about 20 on this call, I believe, and 17 responded. Uh, this, and that's where the survey, the survey was actually presented before the call. Uh, most of them were not specific. Most of them were networked groups. But in general, um, it's fairly – it shows that angels are very optimistic. I saw a, uh, an article about from uh, PitchBook that talked about how VC 
and PE are cutting back. But in general, if you think about the conservatism, the farther up the line you are, the higher the investment, the more conservative you are. So that kind of makes sense. Angels are much more optimistic even than venture. So that's good. And going through this, the big problem they thought was cash and revenue concerns, which makes sense. And um, they were looking for some help with stimulus programs and help closing some of the rounds that are still open. Uh, The one thing that surprised me, at least because we've just finished collecting companies for raise and we're now going through the selection process, is that we didn't have a surge of companies who are looking for anywhere they can to get investment because there are people who are cutting back a little bit. Yeah. Uh, It makes sense. Anybody who has a lot of money invested in the stock market or is a combination fund, say, has a problem right now. They're trying to be conservative. or, But uh, most of what we see in this survey, and uh, I apologize that not everybody else can see this, but uh, most of what you see is that angel companies, are con- uh, angel groups are continuing to invest and are still looking to add on rounds to companies that need them. And they're still uh, looking at new companies. Yeah. So yeah. So, uh, yeah, absolutely. I was really encouraged by by it. So let's, uh, cause you had a conference call where you reviewed this with other members of the group and the group goes for all the way up to Virginia down to Florida. And I guess includes, um, Alabama. Does it have folks in it from Louisiana or from, um, yeah, it Tennessee? Goes as far west as New Orleans. Okay. So it goes all the way out to there, but uh, yeah, they define Southeast more broadly than I define it. I consider uh, Virginia necessarily southeast. Uh, it's kind of mid-Atlantic to me, but, uh, I, you know, Ray's has, we define southeast very narrowly. It's Georgia and the five states that touch Georgia. That's yeah. Florida, Tennessee, Alabama, North South Carolina. Uh, okay. they, they do it more broadly, but uh, there are, the Southeast is really stepping up in terms of the number of investment dollars. They're actually, if you take the broad Southeast now, it's um, the number two region as a whole. Really? Yeah, to get investing. Actually, yeah. investing, it's not. Oh. Um, so we're doing. We're oh, so companies. it's outside money we're outside of the, the Southeast. I'm sorry, go yeah. ahead. We're get, yeah, we're getting the companies. We're not getting the money as much here. But, again, that's what Raise was about, and that's what Caretsu yeah. hopefully will be about at yeah. some point. So it's interesting uh, on this that you've got, out of the 17 companies that responded, three have, were funds. So it's pooled money? Yeah. In some of these groups? Some of okay. angel, angel funds with a fund, and a lot of angels have uh, – AIM being out of Alabama being the biggest example here. Uh, they have a great number of different locations, and they're all investing as AIM. Yeah. So and Venture South does the same thing. Oh, AIM. Yeah, sure. Yeah, right. Um, and Venture South, who was on the call, does the same thing. They have probably 20 different locations. I don't know the exact number. Yeah. So it's interesting, not surprising. We'll go through this in the 10 minutes or so we have left. Um, 
Because I want to get to my last question too. The mm-hmm. uh, so not surprising. Fifteen out of the uh, seventeen companies or seventeen survey participants, you know, stated that the concerns of the companies that they've invested in is cash and revenue concerns. So of course that's that's not surprising. Uh, what I was what you mentioned early when we were just bringing this up, you talked about the dry powder or new investment. So for those people that aren't familiar with the term dry powder, dry powder means that uh, VCs and most investors are advised to, all investors are advised to keep some money back so that if you've got an investment you really like and they need some money that you can put follow on money into the same company to help them continue down their path to, to protect your own best, your own, um, investment, and that's what they call dry powder. And so, interesting. Out of the seventeen, nine were focused on dry powder, while thirteen also said that they would were seeking out new investments. So, that's encur- that's that's encouraging um, in that they understand the commitment to the existing companies, but there's still opportunity for new investments. That to me is a sign of optimism. I think you're exactly right, and. And the nice, the interesting thing, and we've seen this every time we've had a dip or a huge rise, people overreact in both directions. They overreact on the way up, and they overreact on the way down. And um, there are investors who wouldn't invest anything as the economy was tanking. And then as the economy goes up, the optimism goes overboard. And I think that's a very human characteristic that's what we do when right. when things are good that's what we do when things are bad that's what we do um yeah but and again and nobody's looks, ever fit i don't think anybody alive who's influential today has ever seen anything like this the last thing like this was 102 years ago right so right yeah. in a multi-generational event yeah right so it looks like it's it's encouraging that they're as business as usual with the companies that they're in and they're uh, taking on. But what I, what I thought was interesting is that six out of the 17 said they had seen a decreased deal flow. So do you think that's because entrepreneurs are, um, they, they are so busy because maybe because they're companies that already have traction or something, they're so busy trying to mine their, make sure they don't, go out of business themselves or shutter that they haven't been able to take the time to pursue the angel investment side of it, or I think, they're just yeah. discouraged. I think that's, they, right. I think that's exactly right. I think they figured out that um, right now the companies need more, a lot of help with stimulus emergency rounds. Um, with I was on a phone call today with a bunch of investors and they were talking about how, a lot of their companies were coming out with emergency rounds at quote unquote attractive pricing because they all of a sudden need money. And of course, if you're invested in by somebody who is backed by a limited partner who has such grave stock market losses that they pull out, you got a problem. And that, I think there's been some of that too. So that's yeah. why I think this has happened. There are conflicting forces that have nothing to do with the early stage market. Right, right. But there's also 
the perception too. So that's uh, I mean I'm encouraged by the fact that 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 it's uh, at least at least for the next thirty days we're business as usual, you know, until the end of May, let's say, right? And so, um, all right. So now it was interesting too was um, the shift in focus because typically most investors they've got experience in certain industries, they've got um, the a, a group itself will have a specific focus because of the skill set and experiences of their investor group, uh, and so you oftentimes don't see a big shift in in the industries that they're targeting. And this in this case, the question: Have you modified the criteria for companies you look at in light of the crisis? And the answers were more of a focus on companies who shift towards COVID fight, changing focus to specific industries different than previously changed to focus on companies who are later stage than we previously considered and no change. Now there's an overlap because there's more than 17 responses in the total number here, yeah. but um, uh, 10 out of that said no change. So it's just business right. as usual. And then we get a little, you know, out of the other ones, there is, it looks like there is a, a, a pretty small amounts are staying on the same exact path. Majority of the others, a majority out of that eight in a combination here are shifting to different industries or shifting specifically to the COVID fight. What have you seen that in your screening process of the companies that are applying? Because it doesn't seem like, you know, automatically all of a sudden I'm going to start up a business and be in the COVID fight. It would be like they, they're, they're out, they either are already out there or not. One of our, peers that you probably know he's been sending around stuff on various pharmaceuticals and various things to one of the angel uh, informal angel networks um and uh doctor you know who i'm talking about he's been sending stuff out that are specific to that but there's have you what have you seen it's been a you know it's only been a few weeks since we've been in this but have you seen more opportunity you think people are more aware of those opportunities or are there actually more opportunities that deal with an overall addressing of a health crisis? I think you, you found a lot of companies who peripherally were in this space have now focused more on COVID because it's the immediate problem and everybody's thinking about it. I do know one of the little things we talked about the most on that angel group call a couple of weeks ago was how do we focus people's attention on some of these companies that can help and put them in the spotlight. And I, we believe, I think sometime, hopefully in the summer, we will do a Southeast Pitch Fest focusing on companies that can help with the COVID problem. Um, but it's natural. It's nice that people will say, hey, this is an important thing. This is a once in a however many generational thing. We need to figure this out, and we've got to do it together. So there yeah. has been some of that. I don't think anybody started from scratch and said, oh, I've got an idea. But it was people who could already working on one of the companies that presented at Koretsu last month had been working on infections and flu-like infections. And they pivoted just slightly to say, hey, we're going to focus on COVID right now. We can help. We're going to focus on that right now. And I think they're obviously that nobody knew about this in uh, December when they and so their original focus was different. But that makes good early stage companies anyway, the ability to swing with the winds a little bit. Yeah. 
Well, and I think also, you know, there's the repurposing of other technologies and, you know, seeking capital to be able to pivot into a new market. I know there was a deal past my desk that was one that, I guess, ionized the atmosphere so that it would take the, you know, as you were going into clean, they use it in hotels right now, and they wanted to use it in these clinical settings and things like that. So as a patient moved out of a room, you could go in and clear the atmosphere as long, while you're wiping and this kind of stuff. And they were like, oh, and we just need to, I go, well, have you put it into any kind of clinical test? Or even, I mean, there's all kinds of places out there that are looking for some kind of a solution where you can test it before and after. Did it work? Because if it works, everybody's going to want something like that. And so, you know, you can put it in all kinds of public places, you know, that you could be removing that. So I think that's a big thing to look for. And hopefully companies that are out there that are, will see an opportunity that they could take existing or even, you know, investors that know of a technology or know of a science behind a technology and be able to, to see, entertain them and pivot. And even in, within your own portfolio, of companies you've already invested in. I mean, it'd be interesting to know if those 21 companies that are out of raise, which any of those have an opportunity to pivot in to provide a solution, you know, as we come out of this, but also as a preventative measure in the future. Now, I saw a company in Karetsu that did just what you're talking about. You wheel this unit into a room, and it takes three or four hours. It completely disinfects the room. It kills everything. It kills every back 99.9% of all bacteria period. Um, it's evidently way more effective than the standard way of doing it, which is doing it with ultraviolet light. But any of these bigger entities want to see a full-blown study first. The same reason that it will hold up the release of a vaccine to COVID in the United States, we're very, very careful, more careful than anybody else in the world. So even if the uh, vaccine is developed tomorrow, it's going to be a lot longer till it is available for public use. Now, right. I did see I did see a, a editorial in the Wall Street Journal yesterday where somebody said, "Let's throw out all these rules. We are in crisis mode now. Let us become the world's largest testing laboratory. Anything we find promising, we get it going and start moving it through. Forget about the caution here. We don't want." you know, 500,000 people to die while we're being pushed, which uh, yeah. has a lot of merit. Uh, yeah, well, people, you know, when so, people get, become desperate to live, they're willing to entertain all kinds of experimental treatments in order to see if this one works. And, uh, you know, the big thing is, I think, is getting a repository of outcomes and data so all the medical community, no matter where they are, can learn from the outcomes of the health situation of a particular person and when they use this type of treatment what happened and you know you could become right. a giant test laboratory if you can everybody can get access to that kind of information and so got a couple more minutes here i wanted to say that what's interesting is one of the uh, latter questions was how has the crisis affected your view of companies at risk in your portfolio and this is interesting because a lot of the things have been encouraging out of this survey but about even least Split, you know, of course, they did more than one answer, but uh, the numbers are fairly equal, almost equal with somewhat more portfolio companies at risk of failure, and some have opportunity to flourish who have been helped by the crisis. <laughs> so it's both sides of the coin yeah. on that one. On, uh, 
So I thought that's that's interesting, which is, you know, that's not surprising, but it's interesting that that's how they, they went about doing that. So, okay, virtual virtual presentations. One of the things that is unique to uh, private solicitation of investors, and you get up at pitch, and I've always experienced it at our event, is that, you know, you get up there, somebody to tell a story, uh, you know, some number of the people in the room are going to instantly be interested in that type of company. But then the next one is, um, you know, but, but they, they hadn't thought about the kind of a company that presents next, but because they tell a story. And so you're in the difference of, of that face-to-face, eyeball-to-eyeball, where you can start to ask questions, you can get a real sense of, of the, the founder, that relationship piece versus doing a video or a web broadcast or a Zoom meeting or whatever it is. How do you think that um, is going to affect the, your raise? And, and I, you, earlier you were making some comments about how correct you buy in and of itself, a lot of those investment decisions are already done virtually. So you've got unique insight in on this. And, and what is your, are your thoughts about the difference in the decision process? Will investors be as comfortable in making decisions about companies they've never met or not? How will they perceive no, that? I think not in general, but I have to say that, um, frankly, I would think the vast majority of even Caretsu investments are made by people who have heard and experienced the founder directly rather than listen to someone else say, oh, I invested in this, come invest with me. It's... Um, Koretsu is unusual because they do their screening meetings, and many of the people who do this before you get to, it's a two-part, a three-part process to go through Koretsu. It's probably the toughest um, process to get through to get money of any angel group. And the second part of the process is a screening meeting. And you come in and present the same time frame, 12-minute presentation, 8-minute Q&A, and you're doing it in front of people who do this a lot. And many of the people who are at that meeting are only there virtually. I try to participate every month from Atlanta. It's done in Philadelphia. So they've had some history with this. Um, at that point, if somebody gets accepted into due diligence, that's when they actually start getting the help. Uh, I do know people, one of our uh, board members at Rays is now starting a practice to teach people how to present virtually. Because it's different. Yeah. The nice thing about Kuretsu, and hopefully when we do it at Raise, you will be able to see the presenter. Not full screen, smaller than full screen, but that's what they do at Kuretsu. You can see the presenter. They have to be sure to stay by in a small area, but you can see them. You can see the presentation, and they work through the presentation. It's harder to get people as enthusiastic if you're not there. There's no question. Um, and long run, uh, I do know that the guy who started AngelList thinks that's the way the future is going to be. It's all going to be done yeah. via the Internet. Uh, I think it's I guess. A hard, that's a hard sell. That's a hard sell. I mean, people like everybody I know will tell you they invest in jockeys, not horses. Right. It's the CEO and the team that put them over the top. Yeah. And uh, I think you have to, any good investor wants to meet and talk to. Yeah. 
but we're in a situation now where we're doing the best with what we've got. Right. So I think it's going to change. The nice thing about about this crisis is it's made Zoom a lot better. Yeah, I know. Yeah, because so, they have had to step up their game. Yeah, and yeah. there are a lot of there are a lot of capabilities within Zoom that are surprisingly good. Uh, I know how hard it is being on the receiving end of trying to sit in on a two and a half or three hour Zoom meeting. Yeah. And there are also a bunch of apps out there, some of which we will try to use at Raise to make it more interesting and be able to do online polls, for example, which Zoom can do some of as well. Yeah. Yeah, that'll be good. And raise the hand thing. So we are about 15 seconds. I don't know. I think it'll continue to record, but it might cut off. So I just want to encourage everybody to go to KeretsuForum.com. That's K-E-I-R-E-T-S-U Forum and RaiseForum.com. And please also go check out my website at KarenRands.co. And uh, thank you so very much for being on the show, Barry. I think this has been um, incredibly informative, and I thank you for sharing the results of that survey with me so we could share it to the audience of the Compassionate Capitalist podcast. Now, my pleasure, and everybody stay safe, please. Yes, absolutely. Onwards and upwards. Thank you all. Take care.